You know it's mid-August when the Brain Trust here at TSN 1050 Radio has to go deep, and I do mean oh so deep into their pool of potential radio hosts. I mean, you know they called the A-listers, right? The James Duthies, the Gord Millers, the Don Taylors. Well, they're not going to leave their cottage in mid-August to come down and fight traffic in Toronto to host a two-hour radio show. By the way, traffic never improves in the summer. Used to be a time when traffic would actually get better. It's not. It's getting worse. It's, it's, it's ridiculous. Anyway, so they go across and look for their A-listers, and they all turn them down. Then they go to their B-pool of guys, right? Their B-pool of guys. You got the, the Jim Taddies, the Matt Causes, the Mark Rose, all very, very talented guys. Well, they say, no, they can't do it. In fact, Cause, I, not Cause, sorry, Mark Rowe, I think, he's somewhere in uh, Aruba or Jamaica somewhere in St. Lucia, enjoying his time doing prep, and I put prep in quotations, for the U.S. Open. So the A-listers are out, the B-listers are out. So now you're at the bottom of the barrel. The absolute bottom of the hosting barrel, and they end up with uh, yours truly, Tony Ambrosio. So thanks for dropping by on TSN 1050 Radio. You can follow me on Twitter at Tony underscore Ambrosio at TSN 1050 Radio. Our producer is Joe Narsa, and I kind of feel like I'm back at Centennial College, Joe, because a few years ago, Joe was a student of mine, and I was a teacher. Now, I always preface, before I say teacher, I do the old air quotations, because I'm really not a teacher. I'm just a guy who's been doing stuff like this for a long time. And I got some quote-unquote knowledge. So Joe was a, a student. I was a teacher. So if this was like uh, Cantonese, I would be the Sifu, and you would be the Todai. But today, really, Joe, the roles are reversed. You're my teacher, and I'm the student. I haven't done a show in over a year. I haven't sat at this table for a long time. So I really have no clue what I'm doing, Joe. So are you telling me this is like the third Karate Kid where yes. like the Karate Kid becomes... The, that movie was a terrible flop, and, though. Uh, that's the story of my life, though, oh, really, Joe. So, okay, so we got that's high why, expectations. Exactly, absolutely. That's good. It's funny yeah. you mentioned that because the Tat Man, who might be mad at you, I think you put him in a B-lister. That, that's, uh... Well, I love Jim Taddy. But you can't put him with the James Duffies any longer. With all due respect okay, the to, mustache to the mustache is man. in the A-list. All right, fine. You know what? We'll make it A-minus list. Okay, fine. Okay. He was also my teacher at Centennial, so I've had back-to-back ah, -back, um, teachers who Where know that I am going to be late. <laughs> yes, Joe, you said you'd be here at about 9.30, and you arrived at, what, 10.15? 9.53. Ah, what's, what's 20 minutes between friends? Anyway. Well, Joe, great to be working with you. Looking forward to the next couple of hours. You know, there is a lot going on. I mean, you look back at the weekend, I think we all were glued to our TV sets watching Tiger Woods. And at 1140, we'll be joined by Mark Zucchino from Golf Talk Canada as we recap the PGA Championship, the 100th PGA Championship. And, and even though Brooks Kepka won, and it's his third major in 14 months, the story was Tiger. You know it's a big deal. When non-golf fans are tweeting about Tiger, when Rafa Nadal, after his victory in Toronto yesterday, as he's tying his shoes, he's got his phone on, he's not checking for messages. He's checking to see how Tiger is doing at the PGA Championship. You know it's a big event 
when after Tiger is done and they're still, you know, waiting to get Brooks Kepka, waiting for the 18th hole, people are leaving the PGA Championship because they just wanted to see Tiger. Kepka doesn't matter. It was all about Tiger. So we'll talk to Mark Zucchino at 11.40. We'll talk to Rob Longley, who covers the Blue Jays for Post Media. We'll get Rob in here at about 12.20. Tonight, Sean Reed Foley makes his Blue Jays debut on the mound as the Jays visit Kansas City. And I would suspect that Danny Jansen, his catcher in the minors, will start the game. And it's really another ongoing step in the continual movement to go younger and to rebuild. So we'll talk to Rob Longley about all things Blue Jays at 12:20. But for the most part today, we want to talk about the Maple Leafs. Because in 1 month from today, believe it or not, training camp opens. Think about that. 1 month today, the Maple Leafs are back on the ice and training camp opens. We've got a poll up on our TSN 1050 Twitter site. And the question is, what is the biggest story and the biggest storyline heading into the Leafs training camp? Will the Leafs name a captain is one of your options. William Nylander's contract, he is an RFA, still unsigned, 30 days to camp start. And we don't know if William Nylander will be signed. And if so, will it be a bridge contract or will he get one of those long-term contracts that we're seeing younger and younger players heading into their RFA years Get. You know the young D-men at camp will be a focus of training camp. Is that one of your top storylines? And, of course, seeing John Tavares in blue and white will be a big storyline without doubt. So those are your four options on our poll. You can find that at TSN 1050 Radio on Twitter or at, at uh, Tony underscore Ambrosio. Hard to believe that in one month today, Maple Police will be taking their medicals doing all those photography things they do, getting set for the season. Then they head to Niagara Falls for three days before they return back to Toronto. And there are so many huge storylines to follow this year. Now, Joe, as a lifelong Leafs fan, we were talking about this in the newsroom. Your big thing to watch for is what? I'm most excited. My biggest storyline for me is just to see... John Tavares on the ice with the Maple Leafs. So you won't believe it until you see a 91 Maple Leafs jersey with the name Tavares on the back hitting the ice. Yeah, I need to I need to witness this because for me, I've had the ups and downs of the Maple Leafs. I've had the worst era in Maple Leafs history. And I'm sorry for everybody older who always argue is the 80s. It was not because they used <laughs> to make the playoffs even being terrible. Right. And they had the pyramid power, you know, the year that shouldn't have happened. These teams were horrendous. And then we've also gone through the old free agency where the Maple Leafs would acquire players that you thought were good, but they're actually like a year away from retirement. Right. And their name was good. And that happened a lot, I thought, in the the 1998 to 2004 Maple Leafs era where they picked up Roberts and Shane Corson, good players, but they were closer to the end as opposed to beginning their NHL careers. For real. And in, in the last... I'd say 20 years, maybe more. John Tavares is is going to be the best free agent acquisition the Maple Leafs have ever made. But of impact, I would say, other than Curtis Joseph and Ed Belfour, the Maple Leafs weren't ever able to make a huge splash in free agency to significantly alter the team's ability mm-hmm. to win. Right, And that's what I'm most excited about because it's so interesting that when the Maple Leafs, you knew that 
Bozak was leaving and James Van Riemsdyk was leaving and Komarov was leaving, that the team would have a different look. But just by installing John Tavares into the lineup, everything looks so much better. And you've lost a significant amount of goal scoring. You've lost mm-hmm. some depth. You've, you've lost, lost a lot of grit. We've talked about this off air, too. Exactly. But now you look at the lineup and you're thinking, well, if it's Tavares, Matthews, and Kadri, and you look at the way the line pairings are shaping up with Marner, Marner playing with Tavares, Marlowe playing with Matthews, and now Kadri's going to have some young, speedy talent around him. It's It's a big transition considering that last year... There was worry after they kind of got punched in the mouth against the Bruins. And this year, it's like, well, who are you going to bring it on? Whoever you've got, right. bring and, it on. And, and and that's one of the other storylines to watch for, for me, is that the expectations have gone from here to here. They have risen exponentially. And now that means you're going to have more expectations, not only on players like Matthews, like Marner, like Tavares, like Kadri, but also their head coach. I really think Mike Babcock... If this team gets off to a shaky start or if they struggle, I think there'll be a lot more heat than what we've seen the first few years for the head coach and Mike Babcock. That's a storyline to watch. How does he handle and how does he approach training camp this year, knowing that the expectations are so much higher? That's one thing I think I'll be watching for as well. You mentioned John Tavares. No doubt all eyes will be on him. How does he adapt to a new place, to a new scene? How does he adapt to all the media attention? Not that there wasn't any in New York, because obviously there was. But in Toronto, John Tavares, high-priced free agent in Toronto, will he be the captain? Will he not be the captain? Will they make an announcement on that during training camp? How does John Tavares handle the media attention and all eyes on him in training camp? He's a veteran. I think he'll be okay. But that's a storyline I'll be watching as well. I agree. I mean... I think his press conference and the way in which he spoke... Both He's matured, two, man. He is so mature and so smooth. Absolutely. And you saw a lot of... The reason why John Tavares was captain of the New York Islanders was very evident when you saw how he left the New York Islanders. The New York Islanders were the first team to know that he was not coming back. And he issued a statement, then he sent out a message to the fans, and then he went and did a Players' Tribune. He was completely a part of the fabric of that organization, and he knew he was the linchpin of that fabric. And he took a beating on Twitter from diehard Islanders fans who feel very much betrayed and felt like he led them on. And they may be right and they may be wrong, but the issue is that what John Tavares did for that organization is give them almost a decade to put together a winner for him. And they never did. And they he couldn't. went to one playoffs year under John Tavares, and he scored the game winner in Game Seven of that series against Florida, and that was it. And to his credit, he kept his head up. He did everything correctly. And when he came to Toronto, you could see the his ability to control his message, his ability to understand what to say, how to say it. And even somebody asked him blatantly, "They're like, do you, you know, do you, did they ever ask you about being captain?" He goes, "No, it didn't come up." And that, to me, is not a worry. And he specifically said he chose to come to Toronto because he was looking to be a piece of a winner, not to be the piece in a winner. Right. So, to your point, if there's one person that I believe can fill two out of those four answers on our poll, it may be John Tavares in blue and white, and there may be a white C on his jersey when that season starts because he might be the perfect man for the job right now as a way to groom Austin Matthews in the future. Man, I'll be interested to see who plays 
with Matthews, who plays with Tavares. Mike Babcock has made it clear. Mitch Marner is going to be on the wing with Tavares, and I would suspect Nylander back with Matthews. They have pretty good, uh, pretty good connection, pretty good chemistry. And I know this has been a talking point since John Tavares signed. Is there a team in the NHL with a deeper one, two, three center group than the Maple Leafs? And Tavares, Matthews, and Kadri, I think not. Does a young player like a Timothy Lilgren finally make the jump from the AHL to a regular on the Maple Leafs defense score? Is Jake Gardner finally over the Game 7 struggles? Can he put that aside? He's an, he is a free agent after this year. How does he go into his final year in what could be his final year as a Maple Leaf? William Nylander, a restricted free agent, still has no contract. If he is signed, we suspect he'll be signed before training camp. Will it be a bridge contract? Will it be a long-term deal? How does the fact that there's no contract for Austin Matthews or Mitch Marner heading into their final year of their entry-level deals, if they aren't signed by the time training camp starts, is that a distraction? Does that something float over their heads? Does that become a burden that the Maple Leafs will have to deal with on a day-in, day-out basis during training camp? And I think one thing to watch for, too, is, yeah, there's a lot of talk about how you replace JVR and his 11 power play goals, and I get that. Only Nazem Kadri had more power play goals last year than JVR. He scored 12. But I'll be intrigued to see how this team deals with the loss of, quote-unquote, toughness, of grit. Roman Polak gone. Matt Martin is gone. Leo Komarov is gone experience and grit out the window. Is that going to be a concern? Will that be a talking point at training camp? Will this team get pushed around more than we saw a year ago? So a lot of things to focus on with training camp 30 days away from today. We'll talk to Dave Poulin in a couple of minutes. We'll also hear from Leafs reporter Kristen Shilton on the Maple Leafs. We've got more Tiger talk coming your way. And, of course, we'll talk a bit about the Blue Jays as well. Joe, for you, it's all about John Tavares. At the end of the day, Joe, do you think they issue a captaincy in training camp this year, yes or no? No, they don't. No. because will they play, will they, So they will not have a captain at all this year? No, I don't believe they will. I think the Maple Leafs are going to do it correctly, and the way to do it correctly is allow your new star player to set into the roster, and then you basically portray it as the team decided that John Tavares is the captain of the Maple Leafs. And I think that's the right way to go because let's not forget that about five, six years ago, a star player showed up in Toronto and was slapped with a C on his chest in about three weeks. And Dion Phaneuf, as a captain, was questioned very early on because it almost seemed like the organization decided he was captain. Mm -hmm. And I think the best way to do this is allow this core to acclimate to John Tavares. And maybe we might find out that John Tavares would rather kind of be the guy behind the shadow and let somebody else be captain. You, who knows? But I would just think the Maple Leafs are going to go the right way, and I think the right way is wait a year, and then next year you can just make him captain, and it looks like the team decided and the players chose. And uh, certainly on the poll right now, the big question, the big thing that people feel is the storyline coming into the training camp is our fourth option, Tavares in blue and white, leading the way with uh, 49% so far. So again, check our Twitter poll at TSN1050. 30 days to Leafs training camp. What is the biggest storyline heading into the Leafs training camp? Will the Leafs name a captain, Nylander's contract, young D-men at camp, 
we're just simply seeing John Tavares in blue and white. Let's take a break here on Toronto Today on TSN 1050. I'm Tony Ambrosio. You can follow me on Twitter at Tony underscore Ambrosio at TSN 1050 Radio. When we come back, more Maple Leafs talk with TSN hockey analyst Dave Poulin. Welcome back to Toronto Today on TSN 1050. I'm Tony Ambrosio. Follow me on Twitter at Tony underscore Ambrosio. It's 1120. One month from today, believe it or not, the Maple Leafs open training camp. One month from today. Hard to believe that the summer is rapidly coming to an end. To talk about training camp, talk about the Maple Leafs, we are joined now by TSN hockey analyst Dave Pullen. Dave, welcome aboard. Thanks for taking the time on your summer day. Thanks very much, Tony. I'm actually out at the NHL alumni golf outing today. I, I knew you'd be on a golf course somewhere, Dave. Why does this not surprise me? But this is a working golf tournament uh, <laughs> with the NHL alumni, and it's a great cause, and uh, seeing a lot of great faces out here. All right, good stuff, and uh, that's always a fun time, I'm sure, to be reunited with uh, former teammates, former rivals, and, and just uh, sharing some old stories, I'm sure. No question about <laughs> it. And, you know, when you walk in and you see Brian Trotche and you remember how badly he beat you on face-offs for about <laughs> the first five years of your career, it's a sober awakening on a Monday morning, but... Uh, it is really nice. Glenn Healy's done a great job with the group, and, and uh, we're looking forward to a great day. Well, we won't keep you long. We'll get you out on the golf course shortly. You can follow Dave on Twitter at DJPoolin20. Dave, lots of talk about the Maple Leafs training camp a month away, and here we are 30 days away and still nothing for William Nylander, who is a restricted free agent. If you were kind of in charge of the negotiations from the Leafs' perspective, do you think he deserves a bridge contract? Or do you try to give him a, a contract similar to Nikolai Ehlers, a long-term five, six-year deal? Well, it's dependent on so many things, Tony. And, and, you know, I think we have to eliminate the false deadlines that people create. And so much of it is, you know, what is expected because other people have done it. And you've got to run. There is a salary cap for the league, but there's also a salary cap for your team. And you have to run it accordingly for your team. And Kyle Dubas is going to do the best for the Toronto Maple Leafs. And Brandon Pridham will be a huge part of this as well. And there's so many things to look at in a micro and macro basis. And what you're seeing much more of now is teams trying to take back control of the CBA. And I used to talk to Alex Anthopoulos about this all the time, Tony. And he used to marvel that we gave up control in the NHL of mm. the seven years that we control a player for because baseball almost never does. And Josh Donaldson being a great example, he's still under team control. And the tools that are normally used in negotiating arbitration virtually are non-existent in hockey. Now this year, more people applied for arbitration or registered for arbitration than ever be than the last or the previous few years in 44 and four went last year, only 30 registered for arbitration and only one went. And so you're seeing both sides use the tools more and maybe some surprising short-term contracts. William Carlson signing a one-year deal of both his volition and the team's. Mark Stone in Ottawa signing a one-year deal. And, you know, there was only one seven-year deal given out on July 1st, and that was John Tavares. Mm -hmm. And many, many more shorter deals. So I think teams are really trying to take control back. And Tom Dundon, the new owner in Carolina, has maybe led the charge in this, and he's traded some of his young players Elias Lindholm and Noah Hannafin, particularly to Calgary, and, and then another player, Jeff Skinner, to Buffalo, that he maybe felt got paid too early in his career. And so what the Leafs are doing, and I, I think William Nylander said it best, he said, you know, their management side wants to be very slow and methodical and patient about that, and that's fine. That's totally fine. He doesn't need a contract until the season starts. But what gets mixed up in all of this 
is the other two players on the team, Mitch Marner and Austin Matthews, being eligible for an extension on July 1st. Well, eligible for an extension doesn't mean they're automatically going to get a long-term contract or an extension. I think people get caught up in those false deadlines, and it's been very quiet on that front as well. And so it's not surprising to me that they've gone into August. It wouldn't also surprise me if they got it done in short order here with William Nylander. In terms of a bridge, they have to look at the overall picture because it's only one variable you would have never counted on, say, two or three years ago if you're the Toronto Maple Leafs, is you are going to have an $11 million seven-year contract dropped in your lap by John Tavares. And that's changed the whole thought process for the Toronto Maple Leafs because you can plan all you want, and they plan daily, but all of a sudden now, a superstar player is available. He's coming to the Maple Leafs, and you have a new $11 million contract as part of your salary cap structure. So the thought process that may have existed for William Nylander six months ago may be very different today. It'll be interesting to see what uh, what Kyle Davis and, and Pridham do. But what you said kind of strikes me a bit uh, concerning with regards to the CBA and with the CBA expiring in a few years. Are you bracing for an all-out CBA war in a couple of years, Dave? Well, there's an opener, and each side looks at it in the next two years as an opener, and either side can you know, potentially open up the existing long-term deal. And you know, both sides will look hard at it. And what don't you like about it? The players clearly don't like paying escrow, but this year it looks like they're going to pay, or coming off last year, the lowest amount of escrow they've paid in a long time. And they were also using the false inflator. They could inflate the salary cap by 5%. Well, this year they only used 1.5% of that. So some of the things that were in place in the CBA are actually coming into line just as they would over a long-term contract. And, you know, I look at it, Tony, and I think the NHL is cooking along pretty well right now. Mm-hmm. The salary cap is $79.5 million this year and, you know, the highest it's been. And players are doing well. Teams are doing well. Franchise values are an all-time high. And I think they have to be very, very careful of looking at all the positive aspects and and not letting the negative ones outweigh them. So training camp for the Maple Leafs opened 30 days from today. And you've mentioned some of the issues, the Nylander contract, the Matthews and the Marner situations. For you, what is your top storyline you'll be watching with interest once training camp opens for Toronto? It has to be John Tavares. It has to be the insertion of a superstar player to a very talented offensive team and what impact he's going to have on other players on that team. And, you know, I get questioned a lot about the defense. I think they go status quo in the season into the defense. Don't forget, they started last year with Borgman and Rosen as part of the rotation. And so I would expect to see them get another look, maybe a young Justin Hole get a look. Travis Dermott looks like he'll be a part of the mix. And they're also going to have the puck an awful lot more because of John Tavares. And is their defense going to be better because of that? Absolutely. And he's a low-and-go centerman. He's a guy who comes back very well to support the puck. Well, guess what? The breakout just got better when he's on the ice. And so I think he's the story going in. You know, everybody wants to create a story about the defense or, you know, who's going to play with whom. Well, who plays with whom depends on John Tavares for me and how he fits in and then what happens around him. You can start, you know, you could start Austin Matthews easily with Zach Hyman and Willie Nylander right out of the gate and say, okay, we've established a line, Nazem Kadri, maybe with Patrick Marlowe and Connor Brown. And who does that leave for Tavares? Maybe a Mitch Marner. Andreas Johnson may get a look there. And, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if he got a look up top. And so there's lots of pieces in place, but to me, it revolves around John Tavares and how things fit in around that player. 
So having said that about JT, Dave, what advice would you give lease management then as far as, I don't know, maybe protecting John Tavares in training camp, or, or would you give that kind of advice at all? Because Tavares is a veteran. He's used to this. He's used to the attention. He's had it since he was 13 or 14. What would you say to the lease management to try to make John Tavares as comfortable as you can at training camp? I think that player is fully capable of doing that all by himself, Tony. I yeah. really do. I don't think he has to be protected in any manner. He's truly a, a veteran pro, pro, albeit a young one, who's dealt with it his whole life. And I think those are all part of the aspects of why he felt comfortable coming to Toronto. And, you know, and, and he's also, he, you asked me for the lead story. There's a lot of other great stories Absolutely. about the hockey club. Austin Matthews being one of them. Mitch Marner, where's he going? Willie Nylander, where's he going? Um, you know, the defense in Morgan Riley and the continued growth. Um, you know, how's Jake Gardner going to continue to evolve? So there's lots of storylines, Freddie Anderson being another really good one. But the lead story for me is Tavares. Austin Matthews is very, very close behind. You know, you talked about uh, the John Tavares sign, and we've seen Kyle Dubas very quietly, I'm assuming, negotiating with Nylander, Matthews, and Marner behind the scenes. How would you rate Kyle Dubas' first few months as general manager, Dave? Well, there's not a ton to go on other than the fact that, you know, as the general manager, he secured one of the top free agents that's been that's moved in recent history, and that's John Tavares. So that's off to a great, great start. But behind the scenes, there's been some moves as well with, with personnel. Um, Dave Morrison is director of player personnel. Now John Lilly is the head U.S. scout. Those are people I'm very familiar with and, and really strong professionals. Blair McAfee hired on the pro side is you know, would be one of my favorite pro scouts and a really established veteran pro. So if you look behind the scenes at some of those hirings, I think it's been really strong. Is it important for the Maple Leafs, Dave, this training camp to address the captaincy issue either by naming a captain or just saying we're not going to name one this season? I'm not as hung up on it as other people are, Tony. I'm really not. And, you know, I was named the captain the second year in my league, in the league, but I was you know, had been four years in college and a year in Europe, so I was an older player. And when I speak to that, and I spoke about it with Connor McDavid being named a young captain last year, I'm focused more on the challenge of the off-ice issues and, and all of the things I had to deal with as a flyer. And those were the things that I'm glad I had a little bit of life experience for to deal with. And in terms of the locker room, I think leadership flows the way it flows. Um, you know, your best players are generally your leaders. They've got some really nice options there, but I'm not as hung up on the captaincy as other people are. All right, our TSN hockey analyst, Dave Poulin, with us for just a bit more before he hits the uh, golf course. Uh, follow Dave on Twitter at DJPoulin20. I want to ask you about Tiger, but before I do that, just want to ask you about Mike Babcock. He's been a coach for a few years. We've seen a progression with the team. He's been very, very consistent in his views and his statements. But do you think there might be a bit more pressure? I know he's got the long-term deal, so maybe it eases the pressure a bit. But do you get the sense there might be a bit more pressure on Mike Babcock heading into this training camp? If it is, it's self-imposed. Interesting. Okay. <laughs> you know, it's that simple. It would be self-imposed by a coach who knows he's got a better lineup because he's got a superstar player joining a, a very talented roster. And so I think Mike Babcock goes into every game expecting to win and wanting to win and coaching to win. I don't think that changed at all. I do think there's been an evolving of coaching, though, at the National Hockey League level. And, you know, and, and I think as a coach, you're always trying to get better and always working at it. And, and I, I would say I'm not going to soften it too much, but I'd say <laughs> you've probably got a, 
a coach in Mike Babcock who has made himself more available and more accessible to the players on a daily basis simply because that's the way the world has changed and he's a real smart guy. Yeah, and we're seeing that across the NHL, aren't we, with uh, college coaches being hired by NHL teams. We've seen it with the Rangers, and uh, and, and that seems to be the where we're going. You need and younger you coaches to replace. college coaches, you know you've got to deal with the player for four Absolutely, years. Absolutely, yeah. But you've also known him for six or seven years. The first two to three years, you were recruiting him. And the funniest line I ever heard was Bobby Cremens, the Georgia Tech basketball coach, saying when he recruited Stefan Marbury over the course of three years, he had to spend his whole first season de-recruiting him <laughs> while he was coaching him because, you know, they make so many promises and, and now you're coaching him and you're the authoritarian. So, but I think, you know, uh, that doesn't surprise me. I've always thought that was an overlooked group. I think there's some very talented coaches that chose to stay in college over the years, guys like Ron Mason and Red Berenson and, you know, had really good situations. Jackie Parker in, Bo- Jackie Parker in Boston, Jerry York at Boston College, who could have very capably coached the National Hockey League and chose not to. But the fact that some of these young guys like David Quinn are coming into the league, Jim Montgomery in Dallas, um, isn't a surprise because they're very talented. And, and I think a smart guy adapts to the situation. And we'll go back to Mike Babcock. Mike Babcock's a very smart guy. And uh, Dave, so are you. Dave Poulin from TSN Hockey Analyst, thank you so much for doing this. Have a great day on the golf course. Before you go, I just want to get your reaction to what Tiger was able to do yesterday. Wow. A great big wow. I love Darren Drager's tweets. He said he had a solid Sunday of activity planned and sat in the sofa for four hours and was transfixed. And I think that's a universal statement across the board. Golf fan, non-golf fan. You know, I was, I was actually at my club and, and the, the magnetic ability that he had to draw people to that TV set. And I love David Duvall, though, because David Duvall, who probably suffered the most at Tiger's hands, or one of the guys that did suffer the most, you know, former number one player in the world, when he heard one of the young players say, I really wish I'd seen Tiger at his best, David Duvall looked straight at the camera and said, the hell he does. (laughs) (laughs) And now they've had a little bit of a flavor of what the roars are. You know, when he was... In his prime, I had a chance to see him play live a number of times, both at the Western Open in Chicago, at the Canadian Open, and the Heritage Classic. And that's just a special, special athlete. And boy, he fired up the world on the weekend with his play. Yeah, mid-August Sunday, and most of us are glued inside. On a beautiful day, On a beautiful day, watching four hours of Tiger and golf. And yeah, few people can move the needle like Tiger Woods. Dave, thank you so much for this. Have a great day. Hit him long, hit him straight. Thanks very much, Tony. Have a great day. Thank you. That's Dave Poulin, our TSN hockey analyst. And again, 30 days from today, training camp opens for the Maple Leafs. We've got our poll question on TSN 1050. Of the top storylines heading into the season, which one are you watching the most? A, Leafs naming a captain, William Nylander's contract, young D-men at camp, or simply John Tavares in blue and white and right now, that is the uh, most popular answer, John Tavares in blue and white, almost at 50%. So go to our Twitter feed at TSN1050radio or to my Twitter handle at Tony underscore Ambrosio and vote. Let's take a break. When we come back, we'll talk more about Tiger and the incredible round of golf he fired yesterday at the 100th PGA Championship. Just think about this. A guy who hasn't won a major since 2008, over a year ago undergoing countless back surgeries and here he is on the Sunday of a major much like a few weeks ago at the British Open in the chase in the hunt fans going wild Twitter constantly talking about Tiger 
We'll hear from Mark Zucchino from Golf Talk Canada on that and more after this. Welcome back to the program. Toronto Today on TSN 1050. I'm Tony Ambrosio. Follow me on Twitter at Tony underscore Ambrosio. We are on the air until 1 o'clock. We give away to the Scott MacArthur Show with guest host Andy McNamara today. Let's talk a bit about Tiger and, and what we saw yesterday. Nobody, and I mean nobody, moves the needle in sports in 2018 like Tiger Woods. With all due respect to LeBron James, Tom Brady, Serena Williams, Roger Federer, Sidney Crosby, Connor McDavid, Mike Trout, nobody moves the needle like Tiger Woods. You've got golf fans watching. You've got non-golf fans watching. Darren Dreger on Twitter mentioned how he had four hours of plans that he lost because he couldn't leave his couch. He was so engrossed watching what Tiger was doing yesterday in mid-August. Our program director, Jeff McDonald, stopped by the office today and mentioned he was up at the cottage. It was a beautiful day. Lake was still. He was on the couch watching Tiger. When Rafa Nadal won his tennis match yesterday, first thing he does, checks his phone. Not to get text messages or emails. You want to see what Tiger had done. I heard Bob Weeks earlier on the radio here on TSN 1050 mention that when Tiger was done his round yesterday, thousands of people left the golf course in St. Louis. Brooks Kepka was still playing. Fans weren't interested in watching Brooks Kepka. They left because they came to see Tiger. Brooks Kepka wins his third major in 14 months. It didn't matter. It was all about Tiger. And if you don't think people at CBS, the executives, were rubbing their hands in glee watching Tiger do his thing yesterday, you're not even close. For more on Tiger and Kepka and the PGA Championship, let's bring in Mark Zucchino, host and producer of Golf Talk Canada Radio and TV. Mark, how are you, my friend? I'm good. I'm not over yesterday. And yeah, who is, really? Right? Yeah. That was tremendous. And, you know, obviously, you know, like you've, like you've outlined, Tiger is by far the biggest story. It always is. Uh, but, wow, there's a bunch of stories coming out of yesterday and a bunch of excitement. And uh, the only thing upsetting is I can't believe that's the last major of the year, and now we have to wait till April next year to get another <laughs> one, you know? Right. Well, listen, like, usually after a, after a major, I think it's important to talk about the winner. And what Brooks Kepka has done this year, you know, playing three of the four majors, winning two of them, three majors in 14 months. But with all respect to Brooks Kepka, is it not fair for me to say the biggest story was Tiger Woods? Oh, hands down. Yeah, it's yeah. not even close. And I, and I I don't need to make disrespect to Brooks Kepka because he's done some tremendous things in the last uh, year and a bit. And I expect him to continue to do tremendous things. He's, he's just too gifted uh, not to keep playing well. And I would be surprised if yesterday was the last major he's ever going to win. I, mm-hmm. I would think that he'd be right there in the, in the conversation come April uh, for Augusta. But... Uh, you know, Tiger Woods, you know, obviously the biggest star the sport has ever seen, uh, arguably the greatest of all time, trying to, in my mind, complete what, what might be the, the greatest comeback in sports history. And, 
you know, oh so close. And the way he did it, it was Seve Ballesteros, Arnold Palmer-like, turned to 11 yesterday. Uh, Nick Faldo's quote of any other player on the planet would shoot 74, not 64, from the places Tiger Woods hit the golf ball is pretty accurate. It was just tremendous to watch. It was it was exciting. It was wild. It was it was emotional, and and just to watch the crowd pick him up and kind of you know put him on their shoulders so on their shoulders so to speak and carry him forward. It was just uh, really fun to watch. And I think at the end of the day, you've got to say, regardless of the fact that he hasn't won, you got to say what a great year for Tiger. And more importantly, if you consider the last two majors you know, additional building blocks to what we've seen this year from Tiger, I think we have to assume that 2019 could shape up as a very good year for Tiger Woods. And what was amazing, he fires a final round 64, couldn't find the fairway on the front nine in particular, and yet he was still firing darts and still making all these birdies, and the crowds are going nuts. But what really stuck out for me, Mark, is that while this is great and vintage Tiger, the other players aren't intimidated by him. They're not intimidated by the crowds he attracts, by the noise the crowd makes, by what Tiger does. The Kepkas, the Spieths, the Fowlers, the Thomases, they're not intimidated by Tiger Woods. Is fair or not? Yeah, and then the reason is, is Tiger created them. Uh, these are not the players that Tiger's uh, played against. These are not the players of Tiger's uh, contemporaries who he intimidated to death and, and sometimes won the battle before he even started because he was in their head so much. This player, this generation of player, uh, were born of Tiger Woods. They were inspired by him. They picked up a golf club because of him. They made it their career because of him. They realized, oh, you can go win a U.S. Open by 15 shots. Oh, you can go and do, you know, crush all these records and, and play the game in a different way. And Tiger is basically competing against his legacy, is what we're seeing. Tiger uh, laid the groundwork for these players to be who they are, and that's what we're getting to, to witness right now. Uh, you know, before Tiger came around, you know, you used to wait until your early 30s before you really started to contend and win majors. Very rarely, very rarely would you see guys win in their 20s. Now, every week on the PGA Tour, there's a new 20-something winning something, and, and at majors, they're winning in contending. Uh, guys weren't in the gym. They weren't athletes. Now every week on the PGA Tour, 90% of the field are, are incredible athletes that could probably play other sports if they wanted to. Uh, their attitudes are different. Every week they go out trying to shoot 59, not trying to shoot 69. Uh, so Tiger kind of created the way for this, and now he's battling against uh, the, you know, basically the, what he did for the sport, and it's really fun to watch. This is Toronto Today on TSN 1050 Radio. I'm Tony Ambrosia. We're joined by Mark Zacchino, host and producer of Golf Talk Canada Radio and TV. Follow Mark on Twitter at ZEEMAN, TSN, GTC. You can listen to Golf Talk Canada right here on 1050 on Saturday at 8 a.m. and again at 1 p.m. So Brooks Kepka, three majors in 14 months. In the annals of great major winners. At this point in time, Mark, where does Brooks Kepka rate? Yeah, it's a good question. And I'm wondering if he doesn't get the credit he deserves, and I'm wondering if we're not ranking him as high as we should because of a lack of success outside of majors. And I know that sounds funny, but he has four PGA Tour wins. Three of them are majors. 
And I'm wondering if that has, I guess, hurt him in the way the golfing public and the world looks at him as an elite player. And and it's bizarre because winning majors at the end of the day is the most important thing to these guys. At the end of the, the day, when they look back on their careers, majors means it all. But why just one PGA Tour win? And Kepka's been very open that he prepares different for majors. Uh, he takes them more seriously. He gears up for them. Uh, you know, he cuts corners and doesn't prepare for regular PGA mm. Tour events the same way he does for majors. So he's actually said that. But I'm wondering if we're not ranking him as high as we should because of that. And right now, though, you know, remember, this guy's only 28 years old. This is not an old man. This guy's in 28. So, you know, he's got 10 years. Uh, of primetime golf in front of him. Um, you know, if he, at three majors, he's already ahead of a, a bunch of legendary players in the game of golf. He's got more majors than Fred Couples, Davis Love III, Greg Norman, John Daly. You know, the list is endless. Curtis Strange, uh, you know, uh, he's already ahead of all of them, and he's 28. So uh, I will say this to answer your question. Uh, right now, we're going to rank him not as high as we should. He's underrated still, and I think when all said and done, he's going to finally get his due because he's going to add more. Yeah, he makes the game look so darn easy, almost Tiger-esque in his dominance and majors compared to the other tournaments that he plays. It, it, it's a fun guy to watch. I, I feel bad. He's a bit overshadowed by what Tiger did this weekend, but I think he'll get over it. Yeah, and I think <laughs> part of it is he out, he out DJs DJ. He looks so uninterested, so cool, so calm, so collected, so nonchalant that almost a lack of intensity and, and just nonchalant attitude to the game of golf, very much like Dustin Johnson, almost kind of takes away from his persona from mm-hmm. a fan perspective. We love Tiger. Fans love Tiger because you see the look in the eye, the fist pumps, the intensity. He plays golf like he's playing linebacker, you know, in the NFL. He plays golf like he's going into a 12-round heavyweight fight for the, you know, for the the heavyweight championship of the world. Brooks Kapka goes into a major like he's playing nine holes with his wife on a Tuesday night in a couple's link. And I think that nonchalant attitude doesn't necessarily attract the fan attention as what a tiger does with all the intensity and the flamboyance and the energy. And I think that's part of it. And Dustin Johnson is a similar animal and the two of them are very good friends, but I think Brooks Kepka is doing a better Dustin Johnson impression right now than Dustin Johnson is. Mm, very well said. Final question on tiger. And, and I know you've been asked this question probably every day for the past 10 years, but from what you've seen the last two majors in particular, is Tiger going to win another major? You know, right now I think he is. I'd say yes, if it's just a yes or no question. Uh, but I'd like to see him win a PGA Tour event before he before he goes and wins another major. I think that would certainly help him. I think getting back in the winner's circle would certainly change his, his attitude. I think he's got over a big mental hurdle in the last major. You know, we've seen him have some mental hiccups along the way when he's in contention in this comeback. He didn't have that mental hurdle yesterday. He got over that mental hurdle and crossed the finish line for the first time. He just got beat, and there's a difference. Yesterday, I think, is the first time that he just got beat. He didn't beat himself, and I think that's a big win mentally for Tiger. But all of that being said, 
I think if he were to win between now and Augusta in a PGA Tour event, uh, I think that would help him huge going into next year's major season to know that, hey, I have officially crossed the finish line. I'm a winner again. I, I, I would really like to see that happen. And is it fair to assume that Tiger gets a captain's pick on the Ryder Cup? If he's not a lock right now, I don't know what is. From what I've been told and from all the sources that I've spoken to, Tiger and Mickelson are locks. You can debate whether Mickelson should be because he had a brilliant first three, four months of the year and has had a horrific last three, four months of the year. Uh, But what I've been told is there's really only two picks available that Woods and Mickelson are locks. Great stuff. Mark, thank you so much for doing this. Uh, Great major season. Uh, Rest up because it's going to be, I think, another dandy in 2019. Yeah, and we still got a playoffs, too. And I, who knows, maybe Tiger wins in the playoffs for all we know. Thanks, Tony. Wouldn't that be something? Thanks again. Mark Zucchino, host and producer of Golf Talk Canada Radio and TV. Make sure you follow Mark on Twitter at ZMANTSNGTC. The greatest moments in history are now up to you. This is TSN 1050's Sound Wars. Yeah! Wow, that was pretty well done, Steve. That was very well done. It is now 11.52 on Toronto Today. Now we continue with the 2018 <laughs> Championship Sound Wars battle. I'm trying to follow Joe Nurse's notes here, and it's got me all confused here. All right, representing the Jerry Conference, it's seed number three, poem for Shirelli. Mr. Peter Shirelli in Edmonton, I have a poem for you. It goes something like this. Peter, Peter, pumpkin eater, you're not winning the lottery. And if by some miracle it happens, I'll personally rip that franchise out of Edmonton and ship it off to the worst city on earth. That's right, Winnipeg. You might have a second team starting next season. Wow, Jerry's sounding pretty upset there. Just slow your roll, Jerry. Just calm down. Uh, Representing the Yes Guy, No Guy Conference. It's seed number one, Matt Jamison. Friday pre-tapes, you're into this I'm kind of stuff. so excited. I wish I was in my car, like, driving around. All right, so this is a Vegas legend. I caught up with him earlier this afternoon. Mac Jamison. Mac, what's happening? Is this Brian? This is Brian. Did that just cut out? This is a joke, isn't it? I've been, I'm calling you out. I don't know who you're Who's talking you, about. Man? You were my boy. We were peas and carrots two minutes ago, and you just wall squat great white sharded right in my hip. Mac Jameson? I want to hear the beginning again, because I guarantee if I hear the guy's voice, I'll tell you who it is. All right. Is this Brian? This is That's Brian. <laughs> I quit the show. I have never heard O-Doc so animated before. Uh, but that is the number one seat. So go to tsn1050.ca, click on Sound Wars, and vote for your champion. Poem for Shirelli or Mac Jamison. Voting for this Sound War closes tomorrow at 8 a.m. Listen to Landsberg in the morning for the 2018 champion. Then we'll start the ultimate Sound Wars championship battle where last year's winner, they did it, Naylor, will take on this year's champ only on TSN 1050.